Welcome to Champagne Problems. We are your hosts, Robbie Shaw and Patrick Balsley. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we explore our mental health, well-being, performance, and longevity, and how our relationships with alcohol can influence each. No shame, no labeling, no judgment, just curiosity. Welcome back, you lovelies. Today we're speaking with Scott Strode. Scott is the founder and executive director of The Phoenix, a transformational nonprofit he founded in 2006 that has harnessed the power of connection and fitness to ignite a movement that is changing how society looks at addiction and recovery. The Phoenix provides free programs both in person and virtually across the globe, including yoga, climbing, music, CrossFit, art, and much more. The only cost to participate is 48 hours of sobriety. Scott says, it might be the activity that brings someone in, but it's the community of sober friendships that keeps them coming back. Let's go to Scott. Scott Strode, welcome to Champagne Problems. Hey, thanks for having me on. <laughs> of course, man, we're honored to have you on here. We, um, you know, like I was just telling you, we've, we've, we've been following the Phoenix for a while, but, but I hadn't done as much research into it until now preparing for you to come on and holy cow, I'm blown away. And I'm blown away just from a personal level because I'm very fitness oriented. I'm very into challenging myself physically and mentally. And I love what you all are doing in that space, specifically because I do it for my mental health. Uh, you know, I often, you know, there's a big physical value, obviously, but I personally do it because it makes me happier. <laughs> and yeah. I can get why that is such a part of you all's program. It just makes perfect sense to have it in the recovery space. So very excited to dig into that. Um, but first, we're going to get to know you. We got a couple rapid fire questions. Okay. You open, yeah. you hit, open hit to it? With it? Yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> All right. First question. What was your first live music concert and where? You know, honestly, it was probably some like really bad punk band <laughs> in a barn in Pennsylvania. So, so that would Great be... Answer. Great that would answer. be uh, when when my when my mohawk went the other way, you know. And um, were you playing in this said band? <laughs> no, no, um, I was not playing in the band, but I was probably getting you know stomped on in the mosh pit, you know, back in those those my early adolescence when uh, I had a jacket that said "Don't tread on me" on the back, which actually got go. me trod on more than not. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, sounds like a challenge to me. <laughs> Yeah, that's good what can make you lose your temper not i don't know if i'd say temper but one of the things that's a, that, that bothers me is just really poor business practices you know it's like when a business only opens one of their two doors you know and they don't they have the oh, other yeah. one locked and you pull on it and you're like are you really open or are you not you know it's just more of a frustration than a temper thing uh, that's great <laughs> never coming here again yeah, yeah uh, totally yeah, although i really want a smoothie so i'm gonna go in anyway <laughs> yeah, but oh yeah. well <laughs> i guess i'll use the other door um what food is your guilty pleasure uh Pretty much anything with sugar, I would just say, you know, like yeah. I might've gotten sober and I'm in recovery, but I still didn't kick that one. That one's a tough oh one. Oh my God. So, you and about 99.9 .9 of the rest <laughs> percent of the rest of us. Yeah. So I'd say anything, you know, now that my, my two-year-old has found out what ice cream is, you know, I'm, I'm happy to take him for a little tiny ice cream cone. The perfect scapegoat. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Exactly. 
Uh, what outdoor view or scenery uh, brings you the most peace? I think I think snow-capped mountains, you know, sitting somewhere quiet and just, you know, feeling the cold and looking out across a, a you know, a landscape of snow-capped mountains is pretty amazing. Couldn't agree more. Agreed. Are you are you in Colorado? You are, right? I'm actually in in Boston now, but uh, lived in Colorado oh, okay. for a long time. Started the my nonprofit there, and and um, so yeah, Colorado is a good spot for that view. And now you're in yeah. yeah, exactly. Now you're in Boston. Yeah, so the White Mountains in New Hampshire still is a good spot for that. It's just a little more, a uh, little colder, a little wetter. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you could know the answer to any question in the universe, what would you ask? Oh boy, that's a tough one. Any question in the universe and know the answer to. Um, I would say um I would say I have my own ideas about sort of the why behind addiction and the deaths of despair in our country, but I, I guess would be really understanding what that underlying catalyst is that that takes people on that that path. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice to know? Yeah, then we could start solving for it. So we're we're doing our best to get at that, but that's what I'd probably want to know. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, let's dive in. Um let's get to know you a little better. Where are you where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I, I grew up in like rural Pennsylvania, um, Lancaster County area, farmland and um Amish country. Yeah, Amish country and um and then, you know, started to kind of head down this path of getting myself in trouble a little bit as an adolescent. And my mom was trying to get me out of that environment, which, which, uh, you know, landed me on a sort of really unique path where I went sort of on a semester at sea program to kind of get, get on, get me out of the environment I was in. And, and, um, that sort of sparked this ember within inside me to kind of like pursue adventure, <laughs> you know, oh, being yeah. out there on ships and being at sea. And that led me to New England, the Boston area, and eventually to Colorado. Um, and now I've sort of come back to Boston, but, um, you know, so I've lived a couple different places for, uh, most of the reasons are pursuing this sort of active lifestyle. Very yeah. cool. So give us a little backstory, man. How, how, you know, how'd this all, well, not the Phoenix in general, but how did you get interested to like, you know, share some of your personal journey if you, if you're open to that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, not the, not the cheeriest part of the story, but like <laughs> yeah. experienced some early childhood trauma and sort of just grew up around alcoholism and grew up around a, a father with untreated mental illness. And, and, you know, that sort of, uh, the self-esteem wounds that that created for me being a kid growing up in this really, you know, kind of turbulent environment um, kind of led me to my drinking and drug use early on. And, uh, and I think what I was trying to do is sort of fill those self-esteem wounds and those voids with, with that numb it out a little bit by drinking and using. And um, ultimately you know, that led me to a place where I needed to change the way I was living and, and stop drinking and using because as, as quickly as it was, became a coping mechanism, it became a destructive force in my life too. And, um, 
somebody told me about a boxing gym that they trained at and asked me if I, should, I wanted to come in and take a class and, and something about, you know, hitting the heavy bag and getting in the ring for the first time started to give me a more positive coping mechanism than what I was currently doing with drug and alcohol use. And I started to spend more time in that gym, less time out at, out of the bars and, and doing when what was I was this? doing. How um, long ago was this? This was a little over uh, 26 years ago. So, oh wow. um, so it was a while ago and, uh, but I was at that time relatively young in, in Boston. And I thought I was like the only guy in Boston that was trying to get sober because Boston <laughs> is not a very, yeah. you, you wouldn't really flag it as a sober town. <laughs> um, right. but, um, you know, I'd watch everybody gone out at night and it was hard not to get scooped up in that, especially, you know, con considering how I was coping with, you know, some of the pain I was carrying, but, but something about the boxing gym gave me this outlet that was, that I really needed. It was like hitting the heavy bag, crushing that thing and um, being around all these other folks in there that were training and they were so disciplined training for their fights and getting into their weight classes and all that stuff that um, it gave me a discipline and focus that, that started to occupy more of my time than my drinking and using. And then ultimately um, somebody, I found this brochure about ice climbing in the white mountains of New Hampshire. And I thought that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I kind of want to try it. it. Let's do it. Yeah. So <laughs> I went up there and climbed with his climbing guide and, and he went sort of effortlessly up this cliff and, you know, this ice and rock and I stumbled my way up and suffered my way up this thing. But when I got to the top, I started to think, if I really train at this, maybe I could climb like him someday. And it gave me this, this goal setting and this new focus. And, and eventually these positive things creeped in enough that they started to push out the negative coping mechanisms to the point where I finally got sober. How old were you when, when you kind of had that epiphany? I was 24 and living in Boston and, um, you know, had a sort of string. The last year of my use was had some pretty dark nights and that last dark night, I just imagined if, if ultimately my addiction took my life, imagine someone having to tell my mom mm. that that's what happened to me. And that just broke my heart. And that was the last night I used. Wow. Nice. That's, that's, I, I love hearing because 24 is young, right? I mean, yeah. you know, in, in this, in our world, we, Patrick and I both work in this world. You obviously are in this world. It's, you know, people don't, People, not many of us get it that early. No. You know, what do you, what do you think, what do you think got you? Um, I think it was just starting to, I think something about being in the mountains and something about being in the boxing gym, I started to realize that I had this potential within me that wasn't really being realized by this other path I was on, you know, and that if I, if I did more of this, then, then I wouldn't need that other stuff as much. The, the, yeah. what I was trying to find in, in my drug and alcohol use was honestly like a sense of self and a connection with others. And it was just so hollow the way I was finding it there that, that I found it in a meaningful way at the, uh, at the cliff tied into a climbing rope with, with a friend or in the boxing gym, you know, with my coach getting me psyched up to get in the ring for the first time. And then that accomplishment of getting in the ring for the first time, because believe it or not, it's a little scary <laughs> to get in the boxing ring yeah. for the first time. I'm, no question. I said to my I coach, I was, was 
you did that <laughs> yeah well it was like a fight night at a fraternity house but like three <laughs> little three, different three little one different. minute rounds and i'm like oh three one minute rounds that'll that'll be great and i felt yeah. like i was gonna die like 30 <laughs> seconds in i could like Ugh. yeah totally and then like, i realized that boxers are the best athletes in the world real quick yeah <laughs> I yeah i would I'd, I'd say they are and i said to my coach right before the bell rang i said this guy trains to punch stuff. And she's like, so do yeah. you. So I was like, yeah, that's true. I do. So, but, um, but honestly that, that, that self-esteem sort of wounds were healed a little bit in that moment. And every time I tied into a climbing rope and later on, when I got in a triathlon, every time I crossed a finish line and, and that became, that started to lift me out of the sort of dark place I was in. Man. That is, uh, I really love to hear this. And I love that our listeners are hearing this because whether you've got super dark and, and rock bottomy type situations or not, the value of what you're talking about is just, it's, it's across the board. I mean, if you, if you push yourself, if you get into your uncomfortable zones and you challenge yourself, the rewards are just so great. You know, and I, and I, I listened to you and it's like I, I had the same experience in the sense that I had this low self-esteem and I was brought up into this world of alcoholism and it became my identity, you know, and so it, it was super hard for me to pull out of it because even if I did go do something that gave me something like you're talking about, like a little boost in another area, I didn't know it. I, I only knew this other area. And so it was really hard to pull out of it. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of folks talk about having to hit bottom before they get into recovery or sort of look at how their, their relationship with drugs and alcohol. I think it's more about moments of perspective on your life, like where you're clear enough that you can sort of look at yourself from the outside and, and see what your life has become because of how your relationship with substances and, and, um, and then to have that happen in the, in the same moment where you're experiencing this sort of, this goal setting and overcoming that, you know, through athletic pursuits, I think it just, it just galvanizes this, this recovery path in a different way. You know, you start to see something. I always say at the top of a mountain, you can see something in yourself. You can't see from down here. And, um, and we just got to take some more folks up a mountain. <laughs> yeah. It prov I mean, I, you know, if I'm thinking back on a lot of my friends that got heavy into, you know, outdoor activities and, and, um, and, and, and physical training in their early recovery and how big of an impact it had on them. But I, I, I think like the idea of getting people that are kind of in the middle of the road in terms of severity and getting them out there and, and engaging them in stuff like the Phoenix, um, it just provides like moments of, of extreme clarity for people. When they when they're able to experience that and they're able to connect with nature and they're in community, it's like you said, it's like a whole new perspective. Because when we're drinking and we're in the grind or we're you know in in our normal flow, that's not that. It's like you just you don't have that type of clarity. Yeah, and you're further and further away yeah. from it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I I think you're right on point with that. And I and I think the other thing that comes with it is like we you know, even if it's negative, that, that who you are in your addiction is your identity, you know, right. how hard you party or how fun you are to party with or whatever it is, is like, or just, you know, 
your your use as an addict, even if it's really severe, it's like it's all you know about yourself in some ways. And having those experience experiences with other people or experiencing awe by standing in the outdoors yeah. and looking at those snow-capped peaks or you start to realize that that there's more to you, that inside of you is this intrinsic strength. And all of those things, all of his activities and those pursuits start to like give more oxygen to that ember that starts to smolder, smolder, you know, and eventually it, it, once it catches fire, there's no stopping it. You know, you can't really go back to that old life because, because you now know what this new life can offer you. So it's in that sort of the gratitude of that new life that you stay in recovery, I think. Tell us about the genesis of, of the Phoenix. Yeah. So it, it, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I had a couple, I had a sober climate partner in Colorado and I had a, another climate partner who was a clinical social worker and we just started talking and said, you know, we need to bring more people with us. You know, it started out pretty basic, like, like this is amazing. And a lot of our friends who were struggling around sobriety or addiction were like white knuckling, trying to stay in recovery. And I was like, man, you need to climb a mountain with me sometime because it's <laughs> awesome up there. And so we just started doing that. And, and it started out as a small group, but we said, we need to formalize this and get it to more people. Not because we wanted to build a big nonprofit because that's actually a ton of work, <laughs> but, um, yeah, right. but, but because the need is so great, you know, I'm sure you guys know this, like, you know, you, you just sort of hear from folks everywhere that are, that are struggling, that are in pain, that are trying to get out of this lifestyle and, and um, we said, we need to get more people out here with us. And and so we started formalizing it as a nonprofit. We were originally called Phoenix Multisport because we did almost entirely sports. But um, we rebranded the Phoenix um, because we started bringing in other meaningful activities like music and art and a whole bunch of other things that we can come together around and support each other in our recovery. And um, it's all free. If you're 48 hours sober, you just show up. The coach or instructor is usually somebody in recovery or somebody who's been touched by addiction through a loved one, and they share this meaningful activity with you. And it gets you out of your head for a little while, right? Like you're you're in the yoga class and you're focused on your your poses, or you're in the workout and you're trying to hold onto the barbell when it gets really tough and and you're you want to give up, but the folks around you keep encouraging you to continue and you make it to the end of the workout and you feel lifted or you feel balanced from that yoga class or you feel more focused from that meditation and you bring that back into your into your recovery path with you and so we we started out just in Colorado and in, in the Boulder area we went to Colorado Springs with the program to to help veterans and service members at Fort Carson and then we had people reaching out from all across the country so we went to California and and we're thinking about bringing it back to Boston, you know, for in some ways as a living amends, you know, for what I did in right. the city. There you go. But um, but we came alongside this group of philanthropists that that sort of helped us just take a minute to breathe and say, how how big could Phoenix really be if you started it again today and you really tried to address this issue nationally? How would you scale Phoenix? And and we started launching volunteer led events and that really helped it just catch fire everywhere. Yeah, I bet. Wow. 
So is there is there more than the fitness aspect? Are there recovery tools, some education, some support in that sense? No, there's there's not really. It's just being in a group of peers that get where you're coming from. Perfect. That believe in you, even if you don't yet believe in yourself. You know, like if if you're a cyclist and I've never ridden and you're like, hey, you totally can ride this, you know, up this hill and here's how you do it. And here's how you think about your pedal strokes and how you stand up out of the saddle when it gets hard. And, you know, I get to the top and you give me that little like fist bump at the top of the climb. Well, that is amazing how much that can do in my recovery mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, totally. And you're connecting with somebody. Well, I think I, I don't know. The first time I heard about Phoenix, I guess it was like, it was either probably two or three years ago, right at the tail end of COVID, I guess, when we started doing, I went to the ARHE conference at VCU. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were there, um, but I, I, I remember they, I met a couple people from the Phoenix and there was, you guys had a booth and I think you were doing a run yep. or something one of the mornings. Um, yeah, we probably had a crew out that, out of that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, and it's been interesting because as more people have come alongside Phoenix and volunteers, we started bringing in other stuff like, like music, um, and starting to have, um, realizing that there's certain spaces where Phoenix could kind of dig in and start making some real change. And the music space is one of those. So we've launched a pretty robust campaign, um, called 1 million strong to, to, serve a million people impacted by substance use and and we're doing that yeah we're doing that in the music space so it's it's pretty exciting kind of partnering with with festivals to create sober spaces where we're serving mocktails and that kind of thing and our volunteers from those different areas where those activities are they end up staffing those booths and um you know so you could go to jazz fest or stagecoach and you know tuck into an air conditioned tent with mocktails and sober folks and, oh, you know, God. be sort of empowered to go back to music. Um, so it doesn't have to be exercise to be Phoenix. It can be anything that's meaningful. Man, yeah. that is so cool. All right. So that, all right. You just, yeah, now, now you, now you sold Robbie. Now <laughs> well, Robbie's all yeah. Big music guy, but that's how I, I had heard of the Phoenix, like I said, uh, initially, but a friend of mine sent me an article recently or a link about exactly about one million strong and, yep. and he was like dude have you heard of this there's you know they're doing so and we because we've had a, a couple guys around here um talk about doing sober music festivals just like an entire festival and have it be a sober event but and so that's why he sent me that article so man that is really really awesome <laughs> i yeah. love that concept well keep us posted if you guys ever do that we'd we'd love to help sort of blow that out you know just make yeah. it huge because you know, we have, we have over, um, 200,000 people, I think that'll come to Phoenix this year and communities across the country and, uh, mostly through volunteer led stuff and, you know, getting everybody to sort of mob up at a, at a big sober festival, I think would be great. Um, and I, and I, and I also think it's great to start getting the word out about these sober spaces, you know, cause like yeah. then a lot of folks have just sort of written off going to those environments. You know, you're like, yeah. I'm not going to go out on a Friday night to listen to live music because, you know, it's so triggering and you're around, everybody's drinking, but you start to realize if we all go together, then there's this like sort of island of support, you know, that's there with yeah. you. And, and actually we can 
get back to music. And the truth is sometimes the folks on the stage could use us in the crowd, you know, having a bunch of volunteers with sober shirts out there can help artists stay sober too. So our volunteers, um, we partnered with a small nonprofit and sort of folded them into Phoenix called send me a friend. So you can volunteer to be a, a sober, um, sort of supporter with artists that are in recovery. So if they're playing a show in your town and they're worried about being triggered and using on, on tour, we can have Phoenix volunteers at every one of their shows. Sweet. God, Robbie, so cool. Robbie wants to do that. <laughs> I'm all in on the Phoenix, man. I'm your, I'm your, yeah. lo- I'm your local guy. So I, I have a question. Um, in terms of like the, you know, areas of the spectrum, like, like, Full on, I'm sober, I'm in recovery compared to like sober curious, like, you know, I stopped drinking because we, we deal with a lot of, of kind of what we call gray area drinkers um, or people that are, you know, you know, taking a 30 day break or they're trying to change their relationship with alcohol. How does how does that the that kind of demographic fit in with the Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. And. I think that, you know, too often we sort of like compartmentalize ourselves, like it's this group or that group or whatever. And you start to realize, like, I think of it this way. So many of us are seeking our emotional well-being externally. Like we can't find it within. It's difficult to do, especially if we have some of those, those wounds that I carried, you know, those, those early childhood trauma wounds, um, So we try to find it through, you know, maybe how we drink and use, maybe what we look like, how much money we make, how many followers we have, how many likes we get, you know, we're trying to get it from the outside. And the truth is it's usually an inside job, right? You got to love and accept yourself and that allows you to kind of love and accept others. But, but that being said, like we're all in recovery from something or we're all healing from the human condition, right? So I think if you're, think if you're sober curious, you may have been me earlier on that continuum. I was probably sober curious, you know, at at a point where if I had sort of stepped into that or there was a space for me to step into, then the drama that happened in the back half of my addiction story might've been different, you know? So I think creating this space where when you come to Phoenix if you're 48 hours sober and you adhere to our ethos, which means we're, we're there to lift each other up, not pull each other down. It doesn't really matter what got you to our Phoenix event. If you have a loved one and you just want to show solidarity because you can't maybe help your brother, but you can help other people. That's great. If you just don't want to drink on a Friday night and that's why you show up. Great. If you're coming out of, out of prison because your addiction put you there you know, then, then you're welcome too. Or if you're two days out of detox, you're welcome. So it it's, everyone's there. And, and once the hike starts and you start going uphill, it doesn't really matter. That's sort of like, we're yep. all facing this greater adversity together and helping each other get to the end of the hike. And, and that's, what's so special about it is that it's, it's taking the sort of othering that happens in our society away and it's just us. We go from that sort of me to we, and we're, we're there for each other. And, and that I think is great because, you know, 
there there's mocktails, there's NA drinks, you know, there's guys in recovery that might drink, not drink an NA drink if it has 4% alcohol, you know, there's other folks yeah. that are drinking less because that there's those NA drinks and it's improving their quality of life, you know? So it's yeah. like, I think we just got to make more space in what we used to think of as the gray area for us all to come together and help e- help support each other. Yeah, me too. Do you feel like that's trending upward? Like, uh, like in terms of the Phoenix in general, like out of those 200,000, like, are, are you starting to see more and more kind of gray area? Like, yeah, I don't feel like drinking this weekend. I'm going to go check out the Phoenix. Like, are you, are you seeing that? Yeah, absolutely. And what I think is really cool is like, <clears throat> we do some research and evaluation on sort of folks coming to Phoenix. Obviously nice. they opt into that obviously, but, um, the, uh, there's this really powerful life transformation that happens for Phoenix members. And, and we started realizing in our data, there were all these folks that didn't identify as in recovery, but were still coming to Phoenix. And we realized they were allies and supporters and folks that were sober curious. And so we started making more intentional space for them to come in and made our front door bigger. So more folks could find Phoenix. And what was really cool is that, the life transformation stuff was still happening for them. You know, like um, it doesn't matter, you know, if they're pulling on a sober shirt every day of the week, like I do, you know, and, or if they're just not drinking on a Friday night, they're still tapping into that self-esteem and self-confidence ember and helping that thing catch fire by being at Phoenix. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, I, I, in doing, some of my research, I, I continue to see we're trying to change how society looks at addiction and, and recovery and that, you know, that screams stigma. And so many of us are, are, are getting into that space where we're trying to, you know, break the stigma, break the stigma. And you hear that so often. And, and so it's very refreshing to hear that your, your doors are getting bigger and, you know, it, it's not a, it's not about a categorical, you know, place that you're in. It's for people who want to do better, be better and change. I, I think that's a great way to frame it. And it's like, I think of it as like, we're imagine a society where we're coming together to lift each other up more than we are, pull each other down, how that could heal a lot of the challenges that we're facing as a country, you know? And, and I think if that's sort of what we're thinking of is happening in the Phoenix spaces, we just want to expand that to even more and more folks. And, um, you know, that way, you're there for me when I'm having a tough day and I can be there for you when you're having a tough day. And it may have to do with drinking and using it may not, it might just be real life and, Mm -hmm. and we need each other to support each other on in a tough time. And, and uh, that's what community is. And it's amazing that something so simple, like supportive community can heal a lot of the really complex issues in our country. (laughs) So, yeah. So how, how, where do you guys get your funding from? I mean, how, how does this, how do you keep, keep Phoenix rolling? So there's a, there's a really, you know, we've always been supported by individual donors and folks, you know, that have a connection to this mission. We get some state and federal funding in certain spots, but um, we just had this group of, of donors from this community called Stand Together and they are focused on addressing, you know, these complex problems around poverty in our country. And they see addiction as one of those pillars that has to be sort of solved before we can start addressing poverty. But the key is the, the sort of principles that they have, or they operate with is they just believe in the intrinsic strength in people. 
and they think that people aren't like a problem to be managed. They're actually within that strength is the solution. And so by getting people that are close to an issue to advise them on how we can better solve that issue and, and then empower those people to be the solution um, is how we're going to fix some of these things uh, in our country. And, and they saw that within Phoenix because everybody who becomes a Phoenix member can almost immediately become a Phoenix volunteer and then help yeah. get other people uh, on this path of healing. So um, they got behind us and, and just said, you know, if you, if you could take Phoenix to scale, do you think you could sort of change the way our country's approaching addiction? And we absolutely think that. So that's why we set out that goal of 1 million strong to serve a million people impacted by substance use. Not that a million is going to be the tipping point, but a million is a big enough group that if we're all sort of carrying that flag of hope to others, right? Yeah. We can start making a real difference. Wow. So where, so I saw, I was looking at uh, the mobilized recovery event in DC. Um, yep. We had Ryan Hampton on recently and he was speaking, speaking about it as well as the Phoenix. Um, and I saw y'all on there. So what else are y'all, um, you know, partnered in where, where is the Phoenix? We're kind of everywhere, you know, like, um, I think one of the one of the things that's really been transformational for us is stand together has kind of helped us with our just business management philosophy and this idea that that everybody who's part of the Phoenix movement is sort of a a principled entrepreneur and if we can just listen to the folks that are part of the movement they will help take the movement everywhere and and so we've been doing that and and a good example of that is that we have always been a, a place for folks who have experienced, um, have been part of the criminal justice system. Maybe their addiction ended them up in prison or probation or whatever it was. Um, they've always been sort of coming to Phoenix and and finding, tapping into their, their own resiliency here. And some of them said, we would love to take Phoenix inside of a prison because when, when I was inside, I would have loved to find hope of a better life once I leave here. And so they started bringing Phoenix behind the wall at a correctional facility. Nice. Wow. And as they did that, we got connected with the, um, with the, I guess the guy that works with the sheriff's department that kind of helped us get into that prison. And he said, Hey, there's these educational tablets that, that folks can utilize. Have you ever thought about putting content on there? And so we're like, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. So we started putting content on there now we have Phoenix uh, reaching over 250,000 people in prisons across the country who can pull it down on these tablets. It's sort of the Peloton of sobriety, right? You know, <laughs> and you can throw down a Phoenix workout, you know, in your cell. And the first person who's leading that workout on that tablet was formerly incarcerated. And they're, oh say they're saying to you, hey, man, I work at Phoenix, Denver. When you get out, come look me up. You know, yeah. we're here for you. Like we'll scoop you up with love. And even if you're not getting out, like you can bring Phoenix there. You can be the beacon of hope for folks around you. And that ethos can create this nurturing space, even in a place um, that doesn't, isn't sort of known for being nurturing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it's like, that's how you grow a movement is you just sort of let your movement leaders lead you, um, you know, where it can best serve. Mm. That's awesome, <laughs> man. That blew that blew me away. That's pretty hot right there. So you God. guys, so you guys are in Raleigh. What's uh, 
how'd you get there? How how do we get you guys to Charlotte? Like, yeah. what, what's the what's the you know standard operating procedure to <laughs> to get Phoenix rooted in a? Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really pretty easy. You just you go to the app store, you pull down the Phoenix app, a sober community, jump in, set up a profile, and uh, click the little tab to become a volunteer. And there it is. Like if Phoenix, when you when you pull down the app, it'll geolocate like any events near you. Yeah. And if there's no events, you can be the person to start them. And then we train you up in the Phoenix model and our staff is there to support Phoenix volunteers across the country. So we're kind of covering all the different regions and, um, and you just share like, Hey, I like to kayak or I like to run or, you know, I do yoga or I, you know, I'm an artist or I love playing music and I'll teach songwriting or whatever it is. And, um, we'll get you on the Phoenix calendar and, and boom, Phoenix is in your town. Damn. Well, all right. We're going to dig into that because I think the Whitewater Center would be just perfect. Yeah. And we've got a big recovery community in this city. I love that. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. So um, how else can we support? I mean, I, I know there's a donate button, but let's look at kind of bigger picture and, and expand it out to our listeners. You know, how... How can everybody get involved and, and, and support you all's mission? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the best way is to, is to tell folks about Phoenix, you know, share this. If you're listening to this and you're, you're sort of moved by what we're doing, share this with others and then, you know, raise your hand to be a volunteer. You know, I think that the, my own path of recovery you know, doing racing triathlon and raced Ironman, climb mountains and other continents and all this stuff. The real magic of it is when I started sharing those gifts with others to help lift them up. You know, it, it did something for me, but there's something about being of service to others that is really the magic. And so I think get involved, you know, like help start Phoenix near you. If Phoenix is near you, go to it to support it. Um, tell people about it. Um, help add new events by sharing things that you love with the Phoenix community. Um, and then of course, you know, if you're an angel donor and you can help supercharge us, you can do that too. So, um, you know, we got all those different ways, but I think just, just be part of it. And when yeah. you, when you're part of it, you'll realize how special it is. And um, it's a different approach. You know, we're, we're seeing everybody that comes to Phoenix, uh, as somebody who can help change the addiction crisis in our country uh, by carrying a flag of hope. I got a question. You got a Phoenix costume Ro uh, Robbie can wear at our first Phoenix event at the Whitewater Center? I, I would just get one made if you need it. He's like 6'4". Because... He's, like six, four. he's yeah, kind of I'm tall. quite a Phoenix myself. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's funny you say that. I always thought I should get one with a big sign that says sober and, like, spin it on the street corner and just, like, point it at the <laughs> building. Um, yeah, totally. You know, so at red lights, I'd be like, yo, over here. Yeah. Get some recovery. Um, but, uh, yeah, like and if you guys car wash, if you guys want to go by and check out Phoenix near you, it's uh, uh, Noose River CrossFit. It's N E U S E River CrossFit, and they have a class at Sober Sundays. You should go check it out. It's a good crew. Sweet, yeah, we got in some Raleigh. people in Raleigh. Yeah, I'm we gonna, get to Raleigh a bit. Pass this along for sure. Very um, cool. But no, check out the you know the Phoenix org, and you can learn more and pull down the app and. Um, also go to 1 million strong and, uh, 
and getting involved with that. If music's your thing, if you want to volunteer or you want to um, help support sober artists um, or you work in the music industry and you want to be part of that, um, that's another way you can get involved. Cool. Sweet. And is there a, is there like a headquarters? Like, is it in Boulder or is there, it's in, it's in, location? in Denver is Denver. our, gotcha. is our headquarters. And then Boston sort of our East coast headquarters. Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to be in Denver in July and I've spoken to a couple of the guys that are, that are in Denver, the ones who do your podcast and all that. And nice. Well, we'd love I'm to have cool. you, have you come by. Yeah. I'll, Just don't uh... forget the altitude. Um, if they get you to do a workout. In your Phoenix costume. <laughs> That's right. What can we expect to see from Scott Strode going forward? Um, I think just, you know, I, I think just doing my best to kind of empower and and, and encourage and, um, uh, you know, kind of provide resources for, for sort of our movement leaders, right? Volunteers anywhere that want to launch Phoenix, anything I can do to support and help it grow there because – you know, a few of us can, can impact, you know, tens of thousands of lives, but a couple thousand of us can impact millions of lives. So the more of us that, that are, that are helping start Phoenix, the more people we're going to save. Awesome. Sweet. Scott Strode, why do you care? <laughs> <laughs> why do I care? I think because somewhere in the back of my mind, I remember people who cared about me, even in times that were pretty hard to love me in and uh and i want to be there for others you know i kind of think a recovery is like getting out of the burning building and you can't walk away if you know people are still in there you got to reach back in mm. if you can yeah. mm. well put yeah thanks for being here brother yeah, thank you it's for good, coming on good to meet you man and uh thank you guys look forward to hanging out sometime yeah. so when if i get down that way i'll i'll hit you up the information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the host and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. Visit Patrick Balsley's practice, saunacounseling.com, Robbie Shaw's practice, eventiderecovery.com, or visit theblanchardinstitute.com. <laughs>